Now wait a second. Someone might look at this and say, Oh God, make up your mind. What do you want? You are forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, but then on the other hand, you don't leave the sinner and let him go unpunished? That's the church God wants? Perfect mercy for the sinner. He loves and forgives the sinner, and yet he punishes and does not let anyone escape and does not let the guilty go unpunished. How can that be? How can this be the church that God wants? This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. August 27, 2023. Exodus 34, 5-9. Seems like a pretty simple question Jesus gave his disciples. Who am I? And the disciples had heard there were very many different answers going around about who Jesus was. And still today, it's a pretty simple question, but still today, you'll actually, if you look into it, find many different responses on how people describe or approach Jesus. But today, as we continue our series on not the church we want, we consider what the Lord says as he describes himself. And we know him in his word. And there we find the church God really wants is one that knows who Jesus really is and how important that is. To see that today, we'll actually be looking back at what God revealed to Moses, his prophet, as the Lord revealed his name to Moses. So we'll be turning to Exodus chapter 34. And there we'll see not the church that the world might want, not the church that many might be confused about and create on their own, or the church that maybe we might sometimes think we want, but no, the the church that we need, and really, thank God, the church that God wants. See, Moses, at this time in Exodus 34, was dealing with a church that was shattered. This was certainly not the church Moses wanted to see or the church God wanted to see. God had given the people his covenant. He had given them the Ten Commandments, those tablets. God had written with his own hand his covenant, the Ten Commandments. But remember what happened, right? God had established his church. He brought the people into a covenant. They said, we will do everything the Lord has said. But what happens is Moses comes down the mountain with those tablets. He hears the sound of shouting and celebration. He sees what the people are doing as they've already broken God's law. And and Moses takes those tablets and he smashes them, really picturing what the people had done with God's word. The church at that time, God's gathering of his people was a mess. The people were punished as Moses sent the Levites among them to remove those who were pertinent, that had rebelled, and those who were continuing rebellion, they they were put to death. And Moses made the people that were repentant drink the ashes, that bitter drink. And God sent, it says, the Lord sent a plague among them. And as if all that wasn't bad enough, the people here, the word of their God, who, who they wanted to be in a covenant with, who they wanted to be in the presence of, and he said, my presence will not go with you. And the church was, yes, those who were left, remorseful. They took off their ornaments. They grieved and they wondered, is this what we have? Is this the church? And yes, the the church was a mess. 
But then we see that's not the church God wanted. As Moses comes before the Lord once again, he's prepared the tablets so the Lord can write the covenant on them once again. And the Lord has indicated he will receive his people. And as Moses hears about this, he's excited, so he's going to go up to the mountain one more time. He tells the Lord, show me your glory. And it's there we see in Exodus 34, the Lord describing himself. And I don't think we can under-evaluate or over-praise this. This is, this is the description of the Lord himself, how God wants us to see himself. And this description of God is repeated in the Bible at least seven other times as the, the people held on to this. This, this is what God wants his church to know and to be. So Moses, after chiseling those two tablets out to replace the ones he had smashed, he carries them in his hands and it says, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And when the people first entered a covenant with God, they knew him as the God who, who freed them, right? He was the God, he said, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. Now here is my will for you. And they worshiped the Lord as the God who rescued them from slavery and from their enemies and who made them to be his own people. That was one reason for worshiping him. But now they hear another reason, an entirely new reason on top of the freedom he gave them for worshiping him. I am a compassionate, gracious God, forgiving, maintaining love. They could now bow before their God, enter a covenant as the God who forgives sin. This is, this is the church. This is what God wants his church to be known as and what he wants his people to know his church as, right? Not simply as some institution that makes people have a second chance at life or some place where you can find charity and handouts or a place where you can connect. You know, those are all good things. But the church is about this, about knowing God and knowing him as the God of forgiveness. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate. How do people understand this? How do we understand this when we look at the church God wants? You know, some people will, will take this and they'll say, God loves you. That's the church he wants. It's the church and they'll, they'll boil it down to some fundamental picture of love that God is a God of love and he just wants you to know how much he loves you. You know, in part that's true. But the church is to be focused on the Lord, not ourselves. And if a church is simply teaching and telling people God loves you, and you're so special, they're missing something. Notice when the Lord describes himself. It's not just because of the people, it's because of his relationship as a forgiving God to sinners. Notice how it's described, not simply as, the Lord loves you no matter what, or no matter what you do and no matter what you've been, God still loves you, just sinners sin. No, it's he forgives, he has mercy, 
And the Lord forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. What God wants us to know as we look at these words is not simply that, that God loves his people. He loves his people who are sinners, who have rebelled against him. You know, we too, like the people of Israel, have been rescued by God. We've been rescued from slavery to sin. He's brought us out of the captivity of the devil to his own kingdom. He's rescued us and made us his own. He says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you. And that's one reason to praise and worship him. But this is the church God wants. Not only those who are freed, but those who are forgiven from their sin. The church is in the business of forgiveness. The church is about the God of forgiveness. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Isn't that what we need? A God who sees us as sinners and yet doesn't lash out and strike us dead at once, but rather is patient with us, slow to his anger. He is the God of absolute grace. And the way he describes himself here, maintaining love to thousands, could be put, if you look, look at it in context, as thousands of generations, which would basically be, if you take a generation as 30 years, from Moses' time nearly until today. God keeps his covenant. He keeps his love despite us as sinners. Now that's the message God wants us to have. Not simply seeing the church as God loves people for the sake of people. No, he forgives sinners. But there's another side to this. And some Christians will have the, the picture of the Lord that holds to the other side and harp so much on that they miss the point. He says, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Some people will look at that and they'll say, Yeah, the, the church that God wants is one where he takes sin absolutely serious. And they're right. God does not tolerate sin. But some people will run with that and they'll say, if you really want to be a Christian, you not only have to be forgiven, you got to hold to that. And they'll say, brother, if you, if you really think you're saved, show me and live the life that you should. Is that the church God wants? Because God gave that to Israel. God told them to be holy. And they failed. What happens when the church goes out with a message and says, the church God wants is those who have been cleansed and now they better dare not fall into any mistake because God will punish them severely, most severely. We would be like Israel, repentant, despairing, wondering, separate from the presence of our God forever. And under that sentence, as it says, he punishes and he does not leave the guilty unpunished. This too is the church God wants. Absolute holiness, justice, and raining down his just wrath on sinners. Now wait a second. Someone might look at this and say, oh God, make up your mind. What do you want? You are forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, but then on the other hand, you don't leave the sinner and let him go unpunished? That's the church God wants. Perfect mercy for the sinner. He loves and forgives the sinner and yet he punishes and does not let anyone escape and does not let the guilty go unpunished. How can that be? How can this be the church that God wants? Where do we find such a God that can do such a thing? It doesn't make much sense. See, the church God wants is to see exactly that. 
You cannot appreciate what the church is until you see a God of absolute justice because then you see how great his mercy is. The church God wants is what the disciples saw and confessed as they looked at Jesus, the Son of God. And there, only in Jesus do we see the God of absolute mercy and love, abounding in love, maintaining love, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And yet, also in Jesus, we see what God wants, justice. Guilt does not simply just blow away or get swept under the rug. Guilt and sin must be dealt with. The disciples confessed, you are the Christ, the chosen one, the Son of God. And it's there we see the, the church that God wants and only there. As we look at Christ, the chosen one, the Son of God, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, and we see his glory. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. This is it. His glory is seen in his law and gospel, his grace and his justice. It's seen in Christ hanging on the cross. And there, as he's hanging on the cross in the person of Jesus, look at the one who is paying the justice for sin. As Paul says, the one who is just justifies. He pays for the price. Someone, someone had to take the price. And it was the Son of God on the cross. The church wants us to really know Jesus as we see the cross. Yes, you'll hear some churches will have sermons that are filled with bettering your life and some churches will have messages that point you to how you can be a better person and some churches will say, here's your second chance and they'll motivate you and give inspirational speeches but the church God wants, needs and must have this, the Son of God on the cross because God does not leave the guilty unpunished. The weight of the world's sin, your sin, Israel's sin placed on him but also on the cross, the God of abounding, absolute mercy and forgiveness as he takes it on himself and takes it off of us. And so God can say, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is the church God wants. It says right after this that Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. And why did he worship? You know, there, there are many reasons we could worship the Lord, but it, it's because of what Moses saw. It says, show me your glory. We worship God because he's a glorious God. And that glory is found in many things, yes. We could praise him for being the glorious God of creation, for creating all life and sustaining all things. We could praise him for being the God of glory as he is all-powerful, the God of might who commands all angels and the hosts of heaven. We could praise God for this, yes. We could praise him for his wisdom. We could praise him for being the first, the last, the everlasting God who always is and was and will be. But this is really his glory. His glory is found in how he interacts with us as sinners, with justice and with mercy through his son. And so Moses can say, Lord, if I found favor in your eyes, go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. It's the same for us, isn't it? We marvel in the glory of God. We bow before him in worship and we see his glory 
in his mercy and his love. And we can boldly say, Lord, for the sake of your mercy and love, and because you've won that for us through Christ, go with us. And we worship the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, which is found in his Son. What's the church that God wants? One that really knows Jesus. Amen. Amen.